Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. Off the top in this hour, though, uh, a look at the challenge that obesity presents and a new report from the Canadian Obesity Network that's urging governments across the country to take a different approach to this problem, that it's time to recognize obesity as a chronic disease like cancer, diabetes, and as such, improve access to and coverage of treatment for this disease, interventions that can actually address it. Like bariatric surgery, for example, even some of the anti-obesity drugs that are coming onto the market. Joining us to talk more about this report is uh, Dr. Arya Sharma with the Canadian Obesity Network, uh, leading obesity experts in this country. More at obesitynetwork.ca, also more at drsharma.ca. Dr. Sharma, appreciate you joining us here today. So give us a little bit more of an overview here than uh, on this report. Uh, well, you know, currently there's about uh, 6 million Canadians who would be diagnosed as living with obesity, and the Canadian Medical Association has come out and said that, uh, you know, we really have to look at uh, obesity as, just another chronic disease because there's a lot of evidence showing that once you have obesity, uh, you know, that really changes your biology. It doesn't matter much how you put the weight on, but at the end, anybody who's trying to lose weight and keep it off is up against the same biology and, uh, and, and obesity just behaves like every other chronic disease. And so, uh, really the question then is if you're going to look at obesity as a chronic disease, like say diabetes or, or, you know, heart disease or whatever, the question is then, well, then how do these Canadians who have this disease have access to treatments for this disease in the Canadian healthcare system? Uh, and that was really the basis for the report, and that's what the report looked at. Thinking of it as a disease, right? I mean, if, if somebody has cancer, they're, they're diagnosed with cancer. There's, there's tests that are done to confirm whether or not they do. I mean, we, we tend not to think of obesity as a disease. I mean, furthermore, and, and you're well aware, I think a lot of people think of it as a, more of a consequence of, of lifestyle that these people are, are bringing it on themselves. Well, I mean, you could say that probably for a lot of different diseases. I mean, you could say a lot of people are bringing cancer on themselves and a lot of people are bringing heart disease on themselves and a lot of people are bringing, you know, diabetes on themselves. Yeah, and, sure. uh, you know, there's a lot of things that people bring on themselves. Uh, but you would also that, well, not everybody who gets cancer is brought on themselves and not everybody who has heart disease is brought on themselves because there's all kinds of reasons, you know, starting from genetics to biology to stressors to psychological issues to, you know, all kinds of reasons why somebody might get something. And the same is true for obesity. Yes, there may be people out there, you know, where lifestyle is contributing, but... You know, uh, but there's a lot of other people there who pretty much have the same lifestyles and they never get obesity. They never seem to be able to put on weight. Uh, so we know that genetics, for example, is really, really important. We know, I mean, I know this from my own practice and the patients that I see for obesity. A lot of them have, you know, trauma in their history. They have got stressors. You know, they've had, you know, they've had accidents. They're on medications. They have other diseases that promote weight gain. So it's really very complex. And, and, and there's no doubt that. You know, like for heart disease, for example, you know, the kind of things that you eat and whether you get exercise and whether you smoke or not, you know, certainly plays a role. Uh, but, you know, there's, there's people who can get 
heart, heart disease and heart attacks without any of those risk factors. Uh, and the same is true for obesity. There are people who try to do, be as healthy as they can or are really not, you know, you look at their lifestyle, it's not really worse from anybody else's lifestyle. And yet they seem to be the ones who are putting on weight. So, so you know, we need to have a discussion about how do we prevent this from happening at a population level. And that's what the Senate report does. But we also have to then say, well, for the people who already have this problem, and now are suffering the health consequences of obesity, which of course there are many, uh, what are we really doing to, to treat obesity? Uh, you know, we spend a lot of dollars in the healthcare system treating the consequences of obesity. I mean, if you look at the amount of money that we spend, you know, and this is all tax money, we're talking about a public healthcare system here, uh, you know, the amount of money that's spent on, on giving people new joints and putting people on CPAP machines and treating diabetes and treating fatty liver disease and blood pressure and heart attacks and all of these problems that are really ultimately very often due to obesity what are we doing for well, why don't we just why don't we just treat obesity well and i think further to those perceptions about what causes it in the first place is you know we also have perceptions about what can be done to treat it i think there's a perception that obesity is reversible uh through better eating uh more exercise right but that, that really oversimplifies the problem well, well, well that's a very common misconception there's no doubt that exercise and eating properly can do can do much to improve your health. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, nobody argues with that. But you know, I, I just talked to your listeners here. Uh, you know, anybody who's tried to go out and simply try to diet their way out of obesity, or simply try to exercise their way out of obesity, even if they have initial success, and this is what all the research shows, uh, and this is what patients tell me all the time, even if they have often spectacular success because they dieted themselves down a hundred pounds or whatever, uh, ultimately. In, in, you know, in 95% of cases, that weight comes back. And so it doesn't matter how motivated they are. It doesn't matter what the plan was, what type of diet, what type of exercise plan, how much money they've spent doing it. Uh, you know, the reason the Canadian Medical Association says it's a chronic disease is because uh, diet and exercise is not a long-term cure for obesity. Uh, it, it can and should be part of treatment. But, very, but it's, not a, it's not enough. Now, maybe enough if you're trying to lose 10 pounds and keep them off, sure, you can do that. If you're talking about people who have, you know, 50, 60, 70, 100 pounds, and we, and, and we, and we have a lot of those people in Canada, uh, you're not going to get lasting obesity management with diet and exercise alone. You're going to have to start looking at, you know, you might have to add prescription drugs for obesity treatment. And if you're talking, you know, 200 pounds, whatever, you might actually have to look at bariatric surgery as the only proven treatment. Uh, so people, so I think what gets confused here is this notion that, yes, I can change my lifestyle and lose a lot of weight. And people do that all the time. I mean, that's what the entire weight loss industry offers. And people do it on their own. I mean, they don't need to spend a lot of money to do that. But the problem is that doesn't cure obesity. Because by being obese once or having had obesity once, you've actually changed your biology. And unfortunately, the way bodies work is that your body will always try to put that weight back on pretty much for the rest of your life. And that's why the Canadian Medical Association and the Canadian Obesity Network uh, and any expert in obesity will tell you that once you get obesity, and it doesn't matter why you got it or how you got it, it does become a chronic disease and that it becomes a lifelong problem. So wh- why does bariatric surgery then produce a, a different kind of response? Why, why does that tend to be more successful? Well, so what, what, what everybody's up against every time you're trying to lose weight is that your bodies or our bodies do a fantastic job of defending their body weight. So if you try to lose weight by eating less and exercising and you start losing weight, what your body does instantly, uh, and you can measure this, you can measure the change in hormones, is 
instantly it, it, it starts defending your body weight. And it does so very, very effectively. And this is why people find they go on diets and the diets work great for the first couple of days or first couple of weeks. And then suddenly the weight, they're still on their diet, but they stop losing weight. Well, that's because the body has now put in place all of its defense mechanisms that will prevent further weight loss from happening. And unfortunately, those defense mechanisms, that's your body trying to put the weight back on, uh, they stay in place till you put the weight back on. So your body kind of never gives up. You know, it's, it, it wants the weight back and it's going to get the weight back no matter what. It's just a question of time. Now, what bariatric surgery does is it actually changes that biology. So a lot of people think bariatric surgery works because you've stapled the stomach. Now people can't eat anymore. That's not how bariatric surgery works. What bari- the way that bariatric surgery works and what the operation is designed to do is actually to change your biology. So you can measure changes in, in, in gut hormones that uh, that influence your sense of appetite, your hunger, your satiety, uh, and those are all the you know those are all the mechanisms that your body uses to defend its body weight. Well, those mechanisms now no longer work because you've done the operation, and that's why operations are successful. And diets are not because diets don't change that biology. You go on a diet, your body still wants the weight back and has the biology to get the weight back. Surgery changes that biology. So now you've had the operation, it makes it much more difficult for the body to put that weight back on. Although, believe me, it's trying, and in some cases, it still manages to put the weight back on. That's why you have people who have bariatric surgery and they lose weight, they put it back on, because even surgery is not enough in those cases. Mm-hmm. It just tells you how, how strong these mechanisms are that you're up against every time you lose weight and try to keep it off. Well, and this stands out in the report then, though, that bariatric, is, bariatric surgery is not nearly as available maybe as it needs to be. Uh, less than 1% of adult Canadians who may be eligible for it uh, are, are being referred for it. So it's, it's being used in very few cases, it seems. Well, it's being used in very uh, few cases for a lot of reasons. I mean, the first thing is there's a lot of bias against bariatric surgery. So, the, so, the, so the, you know, you often hear the stories about people who have had bariatric surgery and it's a catastrophe and they get all kinds of problems, and that does happen. But if you look at the vast majority of patients who do ultimately get bariatric surgery, if it's done properly, if, if, if the patient is, you know, is prepared properly, is selected properly, is educated properly, obviously you need a good surgical team, but you also need good follow-up. Uh, if all of that is in place, as it is in the bariatric centers here in, in Alberta, we have five bariatric centers where this happens, uh, the outcomes are actually, you know, I would almost dare say they're spectacular in most cases. You know, there, yes, there's always a problem in some people, but, but you know what, that happens when you do operations for heart disease, and that's what, you, that's what happens in any operation. There's always going to be some people for whom it doesn't quite work out the way you think it would. But for the vast majority of people, who ultimately end up getting bariatric surgery, they do it again in an instant, right? Yeah. So it is an effective treatment. But the narrative you often hear, and you know, this is unfortunately what happens, is when things go wrong, you hear about it. When things go right, you don't. Uh, and so there's this public perception that this is somehow a treatment that, you know, that, that causes all kinds of problems. But in reality, no, it's actually a treatment that works pretty good. And I'm saying this as, not as a surgeon because I'm not a surgeon. Uh, you know, but I refer my patients for bariatric surgery. So this, so so a lot of people don't access bariatric surgery simply because they're afraid of it or, or, or don't know have enough information about bariatric surgery. But then there's also this, you know, the sense that saying, you know, what if I if I, to be ready to accept surgery, which is a pretty drastic treatment, I also need to admit failure. I need to reach a point in my obesity story where I have to 
admit to myself and to everybody else, which includes your family and friends and everybody else, that, you know what, I can't do this by myself. I've tried, I've been on every diet, I've done the exercise, I've paid a lot of money to all the weight loss clinics. Ultimately, I, I think I do need surgery because I do need proper treatment. And it takes a long time for people to actually admit that even to themselves. Uh, because there's a lot of shame and stigma right. involved in obesity, right? People are blaming themselves for this because that's what they're told. They're saying, you know, this is your fault. And people kind of buy into that narrative. Uh, and, and, and so that's another reason why people don't access bariatric surgery. Now, that said, even if you wanted to access it, in, in Alberta, you're probably looking at a two, two and a half year wait uh, before you can actually get it. What about on the pharmaceutical side? We, we've seen advances, new, new anti-obesity drugs being developed and being made available, but uh, these, these drugs are very expensive still, and for a lot of Canadians, uh, it's, it's out of reach. There are not a lot of, of plans that cover these drugs. Well, well you know, uh, that's one of the interesting things about obesity, is that although we look at it as a chronic disease, when we look at the number of medical treatments that we have for this disease, uh, and compare it to the number of medications that we have for, say, diabetes, you know, where I've got 20 different medications, or if we look for heart disease, where I've probably got 100 different medications that I can prescribe to a patient. When we look at obesity as a tr- for medical treatments, really in Canada it comes down to two prescription drugs that are available to Canadians. Uh, now, the U.S., for example, has six different drugs that are available for obesity. Canada ha- only has two of them on the market. Uh, and as a often the case with drugs, they don't work for everybody, right? So it's not that we now have the magic bullet for obesity. No, but but we do have a treatment that works pretty well. Actually, it works quite well, if you want. I would say, you know, in one in three, maybe in one in four patients, maybe one in five patients, it really, really works well. Uh, So even if you have a medication that only works in one in five people, but we've got six million people with obesity, so which means that we now have a treatment that would be quite good for about a million people who have this disease. Now, I still can't help, help the other four million because I still don't have the drugs for them, but I've got the drug for the one million people, so why are we not using it? And that comes down to what's put in the report is that most Canadians who struggle with obesity, even if they were good candidates for drug treatment, actually cannot access this because it's not covered in their benefit plans. All right, so... I mean, this this is, I think, intended as a, a call to action here. The Canadian government's federal, provincial, that step one, I guess, is recognizing the situation, recognizing that this is a chronic disease. I guess until we do that, we're, we're not going to make progress in these other areas. Well, I think that's fundamental. I mean, all, all of, you know, when the Canadian Medical Association came out and said, you know, this is a chronic disease, they didn't make that decision lightly. Right? I mean, it wasn't, you know, they woke up one morning. No, they had a they had a very deliberate discussion. They looked at the science, they looked at the evidence and said, you know, uh, obesity looks and acts like a chronic disease, so we need to call it a chronic disease. Uh, that has not trickled down into policies, and we have yet to see, you know, governments saying, well, okay, if it's a chronic disease, well, then how do we provide treatment to this? Uh, partly it's because things move slowly in government, but partly it's also because uh, there still seems to be this idea that, you know what, if you just spend enough money on prevention, this problem will somehow go away. Uh, you know, which I don't see happening because although, you know, prevention is very important, I don't see that prevention uh, or, or the kind of things that you would do to prevent obesity would actually help the people living with obesity today. Uh, they need treatment. And so I think that is something that governments have to start thinking about. How do we provide that treatment? Well, it's an important question. Uh, people can read more of the Canadian Obesity Network. Uh, website is obesitynetwork.ca and more at your own website, drsharma.ca. Dr. Sharma, thanks for joining us here today. Really appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me.
Right, there you go. That's uh, Dr. Arya Sharma, professor of medicine at the University of Alberta, chair in obesity research and management, and is clinical co-chair of the Alberta Health Services Obesity Program, and uh, lead author on this report from the Canadian Obesity Network. On the pharmaceutical side, it's interesting. There's a new story today uh, about a so-called exercise pill, which maybe will start to be viewed as that, but it's, it's interesting because of how it interacts with the body's biology. Story from The Independent here says a muscle-building exercise pill that could reduce visits to the gym has become a step closer with the publication of a new study focusing on a protein that keeps us weak. Scientists found that suppressing production of the protein myostatin increased muscle mass and led to significant improvements in markers of heart and kidney health. The research was conducted in mice. The team hopes further down the road it will lead to human treatments. That ultimately the goal of our research would be to create a pill that mimics the effects of exercise and protects against obesity. This is from lead researcher uh, Joshua Butcher from Augusta University in Georgia. Says a pill that inhibits myostatin could also have applications for muscle-wasting diseases like cancer, AIDS, muscle dystrophy. Myostatin is known to be a powerful break that holds back skeletal muscle growth. Studies suggest that obese people produce more of the protein, making it harder for them to exercise and build up muscle. So that's where there can be pharmaceutical interventions, too. 403-974-8255 is a number. We're back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.